For episode six of the Between the Levees podcast, we diverge a little bit from the barging world. It is still maritime transportation, but I am joined today by a guy I met over 20 years ago. Matt, thank you for joining me. Please tell me what you're up to these days. Oh, geez, what I'm up to these days, exactly. Okay. Um, so as you know, but nobody who's listening to this may know, uh, I'm a third officer in the Merchant Marine. Um, that basically, uh, I work on a on an oil tanker. So usually when anybody hears that, they're like, oh, oil tanker, you work on an oil rig. And I'm like, no, I work on a boat. You know, people don't really have a concept of the American merchant fleet, um, which I mean, really, I didn't either. Yeah, which is crazy because, you know, my, my dad was a towboat captain on the Mississippi okay. River. And I worked on the Mississippi River for a while, but my only exposure was only foreign flag vessels. And then I found out that, yeah, there's, you know, there's about 99 uh, blue water ships for the American Merchant Marine. And uh, I happen to work on one of them and I move uh, either oil or oil byproducts, gas and whatnot uh, from U.S. port to U.S. port. So I've been on vacation since uh, September. And I don't go back to work until uh, middle of December, which uh, if you're uh, for y'all at home that can do math, uh, that means that I'm off for about 90 days total. Um, and then when I go back to work, I usually do 85 to 90 days at a time, which is great because it, uh, it allows me to travel and do things like that. And uh, I'm too dumb to be a computer programmer, uh, so I can't do remote work or any of that stuff. So uh, I just work really, really hard in uh, increments of time. And then, uh, and then I do nothing um, or I do a lot and I'm currently doing a lot. Uh, I end up filling up my off time um, with a lot of nonsense and uh, none of the good nonsense, you know, no sex, drugs and rock and roll. Uh, just uh, I invest in businesses uh, with a lot of the capital and money that I make from sailing. Um, Let's circle back to that. Sure. You covered a lot of ground just now. Sorry, All I right. talk a so, lot. <laughs> no, no, no problem. So, of course, we met, I believe, on a on the sideline of a, of a, a football field. Absolutely. Possibly, possibly in a theater at Jones County Junior College. Yep. Um, so I know the area where you're from. I grew up in the same area. You, you mentioned your father was a, a towboat captain? Yeah. I did not know that. Please tell me what you can about his career. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my father is from uh, Clarksdale, Mississippi, which is right up there in the Delta. Um, when he was in his 20s, uh, they moved down to New Orleans, uh, him and my uncle, and um, had a bunch of little odd jobs. And then my dad, somehow or another, ended up working on, uh, on push boats or tow boats. Do, do you know for whom? Man, he worked for a lot of different companies in the beginning. The only, and, and a lot of like really small mom and pop. The only two that I remember are the last two, which was a CGB mm -hmm. in Laplace, which is where mm -hmm. I'm from, born and raised on Dewey Capital of the World. What's up? <laughs> uh, L Town. Uh, and then uh, he finished out his career. Uh, he worked for Ingram. Uh, barge company but he actually worked for a subsidiary 
uh, custom fuel, and he worked on the Peter J. Okay. Uh, just okay. pushing one barge up and down what, the river, basically a mobile uh, fueling station. What years would that have been? Uh, he, uh, I think he made about 17 years on the Peter J. He was lead captain. Uh, what, like what actual year? Oh, like the last year that he worked was probably right. 2012. Uh, at the end of 2012, okay. uh, my father, unfortunately, um, he had a stroke hmm. uh, right before he was about to get ready to go to work. And I mean, he's fine other than some mental changes, but I mean, he can, he can still wipe his own butt. So <laughs> grand scheme yeah, of strokes, a that's a good, that's a good thing. Right. Right. Uh, but I was actually at, uh, I had just started at maritime school and we have to do like an indoctrination, like a mini pseudo boot camp thing. And, uh, and I was doing that while he had a stroke. Uh, so that would have been January of maybe 2000. Yeah, January of 2000. I don't know. In between 2013 oh. and 2014. I, I couldn't Whatever tell the case. You said he ran the Peter J for custom fuel for 17 years? Uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't start out as lead captain, but he finished out as lead captain. Yeah. Was he decking to start or was he already in the wheelhouse? Uh, for Ingram, yeah, he was already captain. I mean, he he okay. he 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 had been on the river since the 1970s. Okay. Um. So he actually he it only took him now by the grace of my mother just poking and prodding him. Um. He was only decking for about two years. Mm -hmm. Um. And then I actually I decked for Ingram. Um. I don't know who's listening to this, but Louisiana uh, Reserve Triangle Fleet reserve louisiana uh, i worked there for about three months and it was terrible uh because i went to a college preparatory high school and that was my first manual labor job uh not being in school and i was working with a bunch of uh giant men uh <laughs> who could easily pick up wire and ratchets and carry them very easily and i was right. five foot seven and 135 pounds and i think a strand of wire weighs about 100 pounds uh and then i went and worked for uh, bell chase marine which was a little transportation company on the river putting uh pilots on foreign ships so again i had a huge concept that there were pilots that were American and they were going on these ships and they were taking them up and down in the river. I mean, I could go into the specifics on how I found out about the American merchant fleet. If you want me to talk about that, or we can move on to another conversation. Uh, point being well, is I that think, my job. What's that? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that. We, I think we, I've got nothing but time and you do too. So, all right. What did you we'll fix it in post? <laughs> absolutely. What did, uh, what did your mother do for a living? Um, so when she first had me, that was job enough. Uh, and, uh, when I, um, when I was in kindergarten, so she would have been in her thirties, give or take, uh, she went back to school. Um, so she was in school for a couple of years and then she became a teacher. Um, she started out as a fourth grade teacher at the small little Catholic school that I went to in uh, Laplace, Louisiana. Uh, and then she did that for a year and then she was an art teacher for a year and then she was a first grade teacher for 
a couple of years after that, all total, she only taught for nine years. Um, and then once my dad started doing really well with Ingram, <laughs> she realized that, uh, you know, what she made in a year is what my dad was paying in taxes per year. Uh, so she's like, nah, I'm done. Um, yeah. she couldn't, she loved the job. My mom's a great teacher. She loves children. Uh, but she hates the parents. Um, okay. because you know, the parents just were meddlesome, especially in like a small town, like Laplace for, you know, a population of like maybe 30,000 or something like that. It might be a little bit right. bigger these days. I don't know. I, t I tend not to go back as much as possible, but I don't have sure. any family that still lives there and it's been a thing. Um, uh, but my mom is awesome. Uh, she, uh, she dropped out of high school. Uh, she was in Chalmette um because she had a, a kid when she was 16 and she had to drop out of high school um put that kid up for adoption and then uh she um went back to got her ged she got the highest ged grade ever for Chalmet at the time um and then you know she was a mom up until like i said kindergarten and then when she went back to school scholarships abound I mean, she did, yeah. I don't think she paid a dollar to go to school. She had academic scholarships for every year after that. Um, super smart. Uh, I got very, very little amount of that. More more my father than my mom. And if he yeah. listens to this, he'll be like, yeah, that's fair. So I don't feel bad about saying that. Um, yeah, no, my mom's great. I, I, I love my mom. Um, she's one of my siblings. Siblings? Mm, mm -hmm. Oh, man. Dicey. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so like I said, uh, half brother, um, that my mom put up for adoption when she was 16. Um, kind of crazy. Uh, we actually found him. My mom is like a super sleuth. So let me backtrack a little bit. Uh, my, my dad was adopted. Um, and that's a whole other crazy story that we don't have time to get into. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, so my mom automatically had kind of a connection to my dad because she had given up a child for adoption and my dad was adopted. Um, but man, this is a funny story. How to, how to, how to, how to tee this up. So this, this is about my brother, John, right? My brother, John is my half brother. So I didn't know that she had had a kid. She never told me because I was an asshole and she was afraid that I was going to like throw it back in her face when I was a, uh, uh, a horny 15 year old right mm. and, like, ah, and she you know she would lose a lot of ground being like well i had a kid but you know so so anyway that's a little bit of the backstory uh during katrina uh, my parents had a file box like a fire file box right and mm -hmm. uh, i put all my important documents in that file box and after the storm i went to go and get those papers back and I found a paper that she wrote in college. And I thought it was the paper that she had written about my dad. Um, my dad had gotten really sick when he was in his 20s and went down to Oshner's. And she tied that paper to him being looking out the window at Oshner's to the river and seeing all the towboats. And that's how he, and I'm like, oh, I, I'm going to reread this. Well, that paper was about how she had a kid when she was 16 and put him up for adoption. So I was like, oh didn't know that existed so left that paper on their kitchen table with a note that said we need to talk uh and then we talked and so that was you know Katrina so that was what 2006 right 2005 2006 Five. late late 2005 05. yeah so 
in 2008, my mom was fishing around looking for him and she found his brother or his adopted brother on classmates.com and reached out to him. And then he put him in contact with my brother, John. And then we all met up and I, I mean, he doesn't look anything like us. Like he's six foot three. I'm five foot seven. My other brother is five foot 10. Like both my parents are five foot five. So, you know, we're giants among them, but, but he's an ogre. I mean, he's six foot three bald giant dude. Um, but I love him to death. He's great. I mean, we have a lot I'm of six, things. What's I'm that? six three. I'm six three now too. Yeah. It must be nice until you get onto an airplane and then <laughs> just avoid airplanes. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Uh, my wife is four foot 11. So like, I feel like a no man, kidding. like I can get stuff off the middle shelf for us. Um, yeah. So that's pretty useful. Anything above that, we, we, I can't, how'd that get up there in the first place? Who knows? Um, but anyway, uh, it, it's great. And I'm, I'm so fortunate that he is in my life uh, because my other brother, um, can I curse? You can do anything you want. Yeah, my other brother fucking sucks. Mm. Uh, and I haven't spoken to him in eight years. But just like, so when my dad had the stroke, uh, my brother was in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. He's active duty in the Coast Guard. I'm a reservist in the Coast Guard, which I don't think I actually mentioned, but again. I we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, he, uh, so he was in Ocean Springs. My mom was in Texas when my dad had the stroke. And my mom called, you know, my dad called my mom like, I don't feel good. I'm going to the hospital. So my mom like calls my brother. It's like, go to him. He's, that, he could be dying, right? And uh, so she's in like Victoria, Texas, I think, which is like maybe five hours mm -hmm. from Laplace. And my brother was in Ocean Springs, which is like roughly three hours. She got there an hour after him. Well, uh, let's see what I was saying. Um, your your brother got there an hour ahead of your mom. Yeah, like he just took his own sweet time to get there, right? And and then so it just it was a like that that sowed the seeds. I mean, like I always didn't like him. Like uh, <laughs> I used to get bullied on the school bus, and like he never stood up for me, and he was always just. My brother is kind of a chameleon in the way that if he's around cool people, he's cool as shit. Like he, he, you know, Shane is the brother that I'm talking about. He's my full brother in high school. Like he played in a cover band, uh, midnight sun. All right. Uh, he did theater. Like he was in marching band. He played saxophone. Like he, he, he had a personality, right? Because the guys that he hung out with had a personality. And when he joined the coast guard, uh, he became like a law enforcement coast guard and not to be disparaging to whomever, but like those guys are a certain type of guy, right? Like, I mean, they're basically water cops. So like my brother all of a sudden, like it's got a bunch of guns and he's like, he smokes and he chews dip. Uh, but John, John's great. John is a, like, and it's so funny, right? So my mom got pregnant. My mom sang in a garage band, right? Back in the seventies. And the guy that knocked her up um was the lead guitar player so john didn't know any of this uh just naturally gravitated gravitated towards playing guitar and being in bands mm -hmm. and like he was a touring musician like his band went on tour with uh 
with better than Ezra back in the nineties and early two thousands, like just a eighties guitar player, like infinitely better than I could ever be in my entire life. Cause I don't um practice. <laughs> uh, he mountain bikes and I mountain bike. Like it's, we just infinitely things in common um, and having never met him and having him outside of my life so long, it really kind of like, puts that whole like nature versus nurture thing into perspective like so mm-hmm. it's pretty wild so anyway that's uh that's that's shane and john um no other siblings that i know of but you never know what my mom's got in her back pocket <laughs> yeah were you uh drawn to anything in school obviously not subjects but uh we met obviously in music yeah in high school um or even before were you always drawn to more no. art than no, okay. not really. I mean, like, I went to I went to grammar school in in Reserve, Louisiana, which was really back country, and um, and I was never into that stuff. I mean, I was like way into cartoons and having an imagination, and like I did theater, so like it was kind of a natural path, I guess, for lack of mm-hmm. a better term, to get into music. Uh, but I didn't want to do music. Like, I, I started saxophone in fifth grade because my mom forced me. And I didn't care for it, and but I stuck with it. And then, I mean, I did band in high school. And I mean, I started out as a saxophone player. I, I didn't start playing bass, which we, you know, we met in, probably in the orchestra pit until 10th grade. And I started playing bass only because uh, I used to lie a lot, like really stupid shit. Like I lied that I was a year older than I actually was. I once lied that Geronimo was related to me. Again, stories and fiction and stuff always really drawn to. But it was like, it was a really stupid shit that I lied about. And one of the things that I lied about was that I played bass. And then in 10th grade, I was like, oh, I could just learn how to play bass and then like make yeah. that lot truth. And, uh, and then I did that. <laughs> and right. then I started playing bass. And then, like, I only ever pretended to play saxophone the rest of the time that I was in marching band. Like, I never learned any of the music. I just right. carried it because uh, I was just infinitely more interested in stringed instruments. And uh, I mean, really, music, uh, I don't want to say it saved my life, but it, I wouldn't be here right now talking to you had I not uh gotten into music and and like and i listened to a lot of stuff like the first cd i ever bought was a tlc uh waterfalls like crazy sexy cool um Uh surprise surprise and you know me as a metal dude uh but 90s r&b like boys to men and stuff like that that is my Um, thing but it was um man um it was the high school dance in this band uh the dispensers played like one of the guys went to to rummel and uh and their band played and that was like back when i was starting to get into like blink 182 and stuff like that and then they were like oh yeah we played this place called cypress hall and like i'm from laplace which is you know 30 40 minutes from like civilization so i'm right. just like oh so yeah cypress hall that I, I know what a cypress tree is like i want in my in the swamp behind my house <laughs> And uh, I was like, I asked my mom, like, can I go to this? She's like, mm, I guess. And uh, yeah. And like after that first show, like I, it was all consuming. Um, I mean, I like, 
I started playing in bands. Um, from that, I got involved um, with straight edge, which I don't know if you're familiar with that term or anybody listening to this is familiar. So I like the three X's on my hat. So like, basically there was this band in the eighties called minor threat and uh, they wrote a song called straight edge. And uh, it was about how they didn't do drugs and they didn't drink and they didn't smoke. And uh, it was clean thinking through clean living. And that kind of resonated with me because um, I was never into that stuff. Um, a lot of it was because I was just on so many uh, antidepressants and Ritalin and all that stuff as a kid hmm. uh, that I was just afraid to mix anything else with that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, like my, my last sip of alcohol was when I was 17. So that would have been, you know pretty much the time that I started playing in bands. And I mean, yeah. being from Laplace where there's not a whole lot to do and also being a person where like, you know, the first guy that I knew that died of a heroin overdose was in ninth grade. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he was a guy that went to Rommel, um, but he was a part of that same music scene and he just got into some shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like I hung out with the stoners and stuff like that in high school not just the stoners. I was pretty much a chameleon. I could hang out with anybody. Uh, like the, the people that I still kind of like low key keep in contact from high school, like it, it runs the gambit for sure. Um, but I mean, I, you know, I've toured most of the United States in like a shitty van and slept on floors and like just played not good music, but passionate music, not decidedly not profitable not profitable uh <laughs> not profitable uh but you know I, I basically got to see most of the united states in little increments uh for relatively cheap so that was pretty cool um tell, tell me more about that what was your your experience first going out on the road as a touring musician uh terrifying i was 19 yeah. you know i like i just lost my scholarship in college uh so i didn't really know what to do um so we had like a ford econoline van and uh we just packed up our shit and uh, i mean it wasn't a big tour you know it was like a week to maybe two weeks um we went from new orleans played pensacola and then from pensacola went to tallahassee maybe and then tallahassee we went down I think we played like Jacksonville or something like that. And we like, we, we went all the way down to Miami and then back up and then like Birmingham. Like it was, it was terrible. Like, you know, I, I'm a, uh, I didn't have a degree in logistics. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, but you know, like there was a guy, an older guy uh, in new Orleans that like book shows and stuff like that. And like um, he had a bunch of contacts. Cause this was like, I mean, you know, I was 19. So that would have been Oh three, Oh four. Uh, it would have been Oh three. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the internet was like, not what it is now, where it's super easy to like, find all of this information of like, who's booking what and what bands are in that town and who can you contact and stuff like that. It, it wasn't as bad as like, Henry Rollins getting in the van where he's talking about like, oh, I got a payphone number that I got in a bathroom stall from another guy. And I called him when we were in route and like, that shit is nonsense. Uh, <laughs> like there were no emails it was all handwritten letters and like long distance phone calls and like that 
sounds terrible and incredibly daunting. And I would not have done that as a 19 year old. Um, So luckily the internet was kind of a thing, or, I mean, it was a thing, but like, it was, it it made it easier. um, No doubt, but it was cool. You know what I mean? It was just me and like three other guys four four other, four other people. And uh, you know, I thought like, Oh, this is it. I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I was like anarcho punk kid. You know what I mean? Like my, uh, my AOL screen name, uh, at one point was a uh, set SUVs on fire. Um, yeah, I now work on an oil tanker and I own a Ford Raptor uh, with a 6.2 liter engine and a, uh, and a supercharger on it that takes premium gasoline. Uh, so I may have sold out just a hair, uh, <laughs> a very long hair that has not been cut since childbirth or birth rather. Uh, but yeah, no, 20 year old me would fucking hate new me or current me but my shoes are really comfortable uh <laughs> and uh and i have a nice bed and a comfy pillow uh yeah. so i sleep pretty well at night uh, and 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 to circle like that into a connective story uh in 08 i lost everything uh, you know like i had been touring uh and i had shitty jobs and like i was engaged at the time and like the recession happened and like I went on like a very dark spiral and like I had not been on those antidepressants that I had pre- previously mentioned earlier for a while so things got really dark uh the fiance left me um I lost my job I was basically homeless you know not like living on the street homeless but like couch surfing and like you know I probably could have always went home to my parents um but I was very stubborn and didn't want to do that so i was just trying to make it work and like you know i like my last job before i got laid off um and or before i before i joined the coast guard uh you know i was making like 11 dollars an hour you know so my take home was i don't know like maybe 1400 a month or something like that which you know i mean back in the day it's worth a little bit more inflation and all that stuff but like I struggled, you know, I, I was dumpster diving and like, you know, I was relying on some of that punk rock stuff that I had in my back pocket of like going to get like day old expired bagels out of dumpsters behind grocery stores and shit, like just to like have a little bit better life. I was having to wait. The band that I was in at the time was practicing in, uh, in, in Mississippi. So like I'd go to practice and not have enough money in my bank account to pay for gas to get home. So I would have to spend the night because my check was going to clear my bank account overnight. And then I would have enough money in the morning to pay for gas to get back to New Orleans. <laughs> so it was terrible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I lost everything. And then uh, my brother, Shane, this was before we stopped talking. Uh, he was active duty in the Coast Guard. He's like, mm, you need to join the reserves now. And I'm like, okay. Because I had like flirted with the idea a couple other times, but like I was too punk rock at the time. Uh, to join a military service which the coast guard is right it you know it's a great service to america um and you're you're not doing some of the other stuff that you would end up doing in other branches of the military so it 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 settled out in my head and i ended up being a um a marine science technician doing pollution response and uh oil pollution cleanup and whatnot so it kind of fit into my like set suvs on fire and all that stuff um because i was like gonna dismantle it from the inside and whatever yeah (laughs) 
uh once i learned about the inside i'm like oh maybe not but anyway yeah so i joined the reserves and uh that was in 08 or 09 really today 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 is my 13th uh, year anniversary in the coast guard reserves um I, happy I anniversary yeah right i went to boot camp today or maybe tomorrow i don't know i'll have to see what my facebook memories say tomorrow i haven't looked at it today <laughs> so maybe it's today but anyway, so I went to school for, so, so when you're a reservist, you go straight to boot camp, and then you go straight to your tech school, which we call a school. And uh, I got out April 1st of 2010. Uh, and then a little thing happened April 10th or 20th of 2010, a little deep water horizon action. And uh, so as a reservist, I got activated for deep water. And uh, I went on active duty from August 3rd of 2010 to august 6 of 2013 okay so i did three years of active duty as a reservist and it was the best days of my life i i yeah. uh i was doing shoreline assessments so like literally walking on the beach and counting tar balls like just little you know little little tar balls little guys uh my first duty station for deep water was uh panama city uh, then I got moved to Destin, uh, and then I did my last two years in Pensacola and Orange Beach, Alabama. So, you know, I walked the beaches of Florida in combat boots, making more money than I had ever made in my entire life. Uh, and I lived in a hotel for three years straight. Uh, so I had maids, and it was an extended stay, so like I could cook and all that stuff. Uh, but then when I like I left uh that job i had 1.3 million hotel points and uh in that time of getting stationed out there and um and uh getting off uh i ended up uh marrying a flight attendant um so i could fly for free and i had 1.3 million hotel points so we did a little bit of traveling <laughs> yeah. uh, and went to a lot of places and stayed in a lot of hotels that like I, as a person should not be allowed to go into. Like I'm just automatically just like bringing down the property value with my existence there. Cause I'm just like, yeah, people are like, yeah. Oh, heavens. cause we're in like France and London and shit staying at like five-star hotels. Stupid. Oh, and, uh, and you know, on a side note, uh, yeah. Do you remember Brian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I married his sister. Okay. By accident via OK Cupid. <laughs> like, like she messaged me and she was like, Hey, you seem really cool, but I'm going to Thailand for two weeks. I just wanted to say hi. And I'm all like, Okay, so. And uh, so she left and then she comes back and we're like messaging on the OK Cupid uh, messenger app. So, like, you know, it has her like username. It doesn't have her actual name, but I knew her name was Shelly. Um, but. <laughs> But she she gets back and I'm like, oh, things are getting serious. You should add me on Facebook. So she adds me on Facebook and I'm like, oh, I recognize that last name. <laughs> I like scroll through and Brian's stupid face is like sitting there. And I'm like, is Brian your brother? She's like, yeah. Not only did I go to high school with him, we were in the first band that I was ever in playing bass. It was me, him, and a couple other people that were from my grade. Uh and uh, it was called scab <laughs> but we practiced at brian's house 
so like I had already met her mom and like she's older than me she's a she was she was in college when I was in high she yeah she grad she's four years ahead of me um she was born in 1980 I was 84 um but like so she may have been there it was like a weekend but if she was there she was a college kid and we're you know teenagers or whatever but like but yeah and then 41 days later we got married after that first time that we hung out after meeting um but so i'm like ah i I got married after knowing my wife my wife after 41 days or like 12 years and 41 days depending on if i met her (laughs) right brian's house um yeah weird world Anyway, so what? That brings me up to twenty-five. So, well, you finish up. Yeah, you finish up your. Uh, you're still in uh, in the reserves for the Coast Guard, right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's why I'm in Louisiana right now. I just uh, I'm doing a couple days uh, in the reserves. Um, so I was on orders, right? Doing doing the Deepwater Horizon thing, and um, backtrack a little bit. So the job that I had before I joined the Coast Guard, I was working at at, a, at an air conditioning supply house called Baker Distributing. For whatever reason, I just ended up there. I had I had family that was a manager down in the Chalmette location. He got me a job. I stayed there for a while. They had a college reimbursement program, so I was going to Delgado, just taking classes at whim. The reason why that's important is because that's I got introduced to the offshore uh, Gulf of Mexico offshore vessel jobs. We the company that I worked for, the sales guys there. We also did refrigeration, so we sold all the refrigeration units and uh systems to this company called schwest uh down in the bayou so i knew about the offshore market that way turns out that my cousin's husband uh who was doing air conditioning work at the time he had sailed with schwest so keep all that in mind he went back to sail with schwest and my cousin and her husband jeff we're on vacation in Destin, Florida, where I had, was stationed at the time for deep water. Uh, we were all sitting and talking because um, they met me while I was down there. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about going and work offshore because during the recession, my dad on the Mississippi River never skipped a beat. You know what I mean? Like he was still making, you know, $125,000 a year, getting $20,000 safety bonuses, just living life. You know, like the recession never touched the Mississippi river in any way, shape or form, at least not to my knowledge. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go do that. But I want to work on something a little bit bigger than what my dad worked on, because that's what you do, right? Like, ah, bigger, bigger license. Um, so I was telling Jeff that, uh, the cut, the, the husband, and he was like, Oh, why don't you go to a maritime college? And I was like, what's a maritime college? He's like, Oh, well you go. And then you like, you skip all the like grunt work. Right. Cause on, on offshore, like larger tonnage, non-river stuff, you're like, you start, you start out as like a, an unlicensed sailor. So like basically the equivalent of a deckhand, but it's ordinary seamen. Then you get enough sea time and then you can apply for your able-bodied seamen. And then after 1,080 days of sailing as an AB, you can sit for your third mate's license, right? You could do that. That's called hawse piping um which the hawse pipe is the pipe where the anchor comes out of so it's just mm-hmm. an old school terminology uh so you could do that or you could go to a maritime college which is a four-year degree and you skip the shitty part which is how he put it you, you you skip the manual labor part of like sweeping and mopping and you know doing whatever else right. and because i did three years of active duty for deep water 
I had the 100% of the GI Bill, even though I was a reservist. So the GI Bill, if you know or you don't know, that's 100% of your school paid for. But after 9-11, they needed to sweeten the deal to get people to join up to fight terrorism. Uh, so they made a post 9-11 bill, which gives you a living stipend based on uh, the rank of E5 with dependents. So that's BAH, which is basic allowance for housing, which is, um, it's different for any, every zip code, right? But it's a thing that, that people in the military get. It's tax-free and it's just a part of your, your compensation for being in the military. Well, you get that uh, as a student, as long as you do 12 hours, at least 12 hours of classes, right? So a full-time student. So I did that and I ended up going to SUNY Maritime College, which is the, the college itself is in the Bronx, but the zip code of the college is attached to Manhattan, which Manhattan, as you know, expensive real estate. So the, the, the housing allowance there is pretty high. So my rent was like $18.50 a month. And my wife is a flight attendant with JetBlue, which is based out of JF or based out of New York City. Uh, so like we were basically able to live off of that $3,700 a month and then save her entire paycheck for like three years straight. So like I went from basically being homeless, having a super shitty job uh, to doing three years of getting paid to walk on the beach uh, to another three years of going to college and not having to work. So I had like a six year span of uh, making more money than I'd ever made in my entire life uh, and doing like fuck all of nothing. <laughs> except for walking on the beach in combat boots for a few years and then being a professional student. Uh, and then I went to school to be a mariner and uh, I, I only work like six months out of the year. So like, you know, how many people have that life? Not, not a lot. Um, how do you handle a uh, reservist duty while you're at sea? Man, it used to be great. The, the, the command used to be really lax and I could just basically batch drills so like I wouldn't be able to drill for at least, you know, two or three months. Um, and then I would just come in and I would like, I'd batch my, and I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee now, but I've been stationed at sector New Orleans because I still have family here and I still have friends and I still really like the food. Uh, so, sure. you know, I, so I'd like to come down here. Um, but they would always just let me, you know, I'd like, I, I would have drills one weekend, right? So then I would do two days of drill Thursday and Friday. And then I would do my coast, the, the, the reserve drill Saturday and Sunday. And then I would do Monday and Tuesday. So I do So I'd, I'd batch it that way. Right. Um, and then I would try to come down the next two months when I was still in, still off the ship. And they've been really cool with that for like six years, no, five years now. And then all of a sudden uh, they just got some new command there and that came to a grinding halt. Um, so I'm actually, like I said, I'm in New Orleans right now doing Coast Guard drills and they let me drill during the week, but I have to like document every minute of every hour on what I'm doing and how it's a benefit to the Coast Guard at large right. because I work in a response unit, right? So if there's nothing to respond to, there's nothing to do, um, but somehow this is an issue. I don't know. So it, it's... We're still working out the kinks. Um, I have the ability to transfer closer to home up in Nashville. And I also 
don't necessarily need to, I don't want to get out. Like I, you know, I, I, I love my country and I, I love the job that I do and I love the people that I work with. Um, so I would hate to get out, especially cause I'm at year 13. So I only have seven years to go before I can like do my 20. Like I won't get a pension from that immediately, but I'll start getting one when I'm like 55 or 56 or something like that. But anyway, yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see. Tell me how you got into working every 90 days on a tanker and what is that job when you're, when you're at sea? I went into the maritime industry after I had married my wife. Uh, so as I alluded to earlier, I'm too dumb to do like remote jobs. Like I can't program. Uh, I can talk a whole lot, but I can't put it in a blog post that somebody would pay for. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I just started uh, investing in real estate pretty heavily. Um, so I, I started an Instagram page called the, uh, the Heavy Metal Investor. Uh, which is funny on two fronts. One, because the money that I get to invest in real estate comes from working on a ship, uh, which is made out of heavy metal or metal mm -hmm. that is heavy. Right. Uh, and I listen to heavy metal. So double entendre. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> All over it. Um, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm thinking about turning it into kind of a podcast to where I talk about people that have also come up through like, you know, maybe not as similar, but like just a musical background and like, going off on a tangent we'll talk about that later if we want to talk about it but it's it's in such a small infancy that it's not even worth talking about right but with that said uh so i married my wife and i knew that the maritime industry was a thing and i knew that you you know and there's different there's different jobs right like i could work closer to shore and i could be like two weeks on one week off or that's what my dad did on right boats. Um, and that's all fine, but that's like not a lot of time off. Cause if, if you work in two and one and is, is that what you work? Kind of? No, no, no I, I'm a regular, I'm, I'm, a, I'm shore side. Okay. Shore side. So I'm just five days a week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When, when I was in, in fleet dispatch, I was seven and seven. There you go. Yeah. I, and yeah, I knew there was, I knew there was a connection there. Yeah. But like when you're, when you, when you work seven and seven or, or, or two and one or three and two or four and two rather is usually the, the, the closer one that it is that two weeks that you're off, like, or the one week that you're off, like you really like, and this is for people that are gone, right? Like if you're coming home every day, it's a little bit different. If you're gone for four weeks at a time, and then you're only off two weeks, you really have to pick and choose what you do. Right. Like, I mean, you, it's like, Oh, I, I can go on vacation for two weeks or I have to like do chores and house stuff for two weeks for the type of life that I have. Cause I'm married to a flight attendant so I can fly for free. Right. So like I've been, I, I've only been in my house for like maybe four weeks since I got off in September. Like, cause we're just constantly going places. Um, not necessarily flying, but just driving around the country and doing all this other stuff. So like we travel a lot. And, and I, I didn't, I didn't want to have that little bit of time off because my wife, Shelly, because she has so much seniority with the airline that she can basically be off for almost four weeks at a time. Like the way that she can, she can work in the beginning of the month and then she can work at the end of the month. And then she can have like the three weeks off in the middle. So like you couple that with making decent income and me being off a lot, like we couldn't do it at first because we had a dog who uh unfortunately Lanyap um he was my stepdog uh he was 15 and a half and we just had to uh put him down 
mm. uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but he was our only anchor. Like we decided early on that we weren't going to have kids um, and that we were going to, you know, always be preparing for this lifestyle where we could just travel when I'm off. And that's, that is now quickly approaching. So it's <laughs> the next year is going to be really wild um, because like literally we could live in a different country every other month with Airbnb and all that stuff. Um, so that was always the draw as to why I wanted to work 85, 90, you know, that two months, two months on, two months off is about the bear that I would want to work. Now I don't want to do that forever. You know, as I mentioned, I, you know, I've invested in real estate. Uh, I co-own a bar. Uh, I had a tattoo shop for a little while um, that we had to close during COVID because um, it was a choice of keeping the bar or the tattoo shop open. And we opened six months before COVID. So sometimes I question whether or not we should have just kept the tattoo shop. But yeah. hindsight, <laughs> if you see my Facebook page, it's been rough. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like, you know, we're, we're always um, striving. I'm always striving to make a little extra money on the side. Because like I said, you know, my, my dad had a stroke. Um, 17 years into uh, working for Ingram, well, he would have been one of the last people that was going to be owed a full pension. Uh, and he missed it by three years. Um, right. So like seeing that and like seeing the guys that are working, you know, at sea and they're staying out there until they're 65 or 70, like we make good money and we only are around to spend it half of the year uh, unless you have a spouse that is likes to you know hit the credit card then a little different but my wife is pretty right. spent like you don't have to work that long so you know my my i'm 38 now i've been sailing since i was 33 other than the year that i got laid off because of covid i'm trying to not have to rely on sailing by the time i'm 45 that's my ultimate goal like i may not retire um but i'll start doing like relief trips and stuff like that where i just go and pick up like a month or two of work out of the union halls and stuff like that, just because I, I, I honestly do enjoy sailing. Uh, it's a great career. It's a great profession. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's cool as shit. <laughs> I mean, I literally get paid to look out the window for half the year paid well to look out the window. <laughs> well, what's, uh, what's, what's your job for those 90 days when you're, you're on the boat? Yeah. So, uh, I'm a, um, I'm a third mate right now. I have my second mate's ticket, um, but my company uh, is slow to promote just because people stay until they're 70 and we only have a limited amount of ships. Uh, so I'm a third officer on an oil tanker. So when we're at sea, uh, when I'm uh, on watch, I'm up on the bridge. It's just me and an and a, and a AB who's my lookout partner. And, uh, you know, if, if we're not around um, traffic or anything like that, uh, it's literally just looking out the window, um, maybe doing some paperwork. Uh, I do that. Um, and then I do four hours of overtime. And this is at sea. I'll tell you what I do when I'm inshore afterwards. But my overtime is that's why I really I like working on tankers. Um, because during our overtime, we're a little bit more hands-on stuff. So like, I'm actually like out there with wrenches, like tearing apart actuators and stuff like that and rebuilding them and like messing with hydraulic lines and this, that, and the other, like actually like doing some blue collar type work, whereas other ships, it's more white collar and you're just more supervisory role and you're not really like getting your hands dirty. 
Um, and then I do another uh, bridge watch. So that it, it's 12 hours a day, right? And it's broken up in weird increments. But when I'm in port, instead of going up to the bridge, uh, I'm doing cargo. So like I'm literally, I'm, I'm, it's all hydraulic line stuff. So I, I sit in a control room. I, I, I can open and close valves with the touch of a button and I can control pumps with some levers. I don't have to do anything outside. Like you still have to go outside because you're still like looking for leaks and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. you're checking the tension on the lines and stuff like that because you can't trust your unlicensed guys to do it, unfortunately. Sometimes you can. Sometimes they're great, but a lot of times they're terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I like literally like if I if if we're if we're doing, you know, if we're loading, then I'm I'm getting ballast, like the water off as quickly as possible and replacing it with cargo and putting it on the ship in a way that it doesn't break the ship in half. And then if we're discharging, I'm getting water on as quick as possible. And I'm trying to discharge the ship without breaking in half. Most of my job is trying not to break the ship in half. Uh, but I'm the lowest person on the totem pole of people trying not to break the ship in half. Um, so you're the so least I, responsible for holding the ship together. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm like the safety mate. It, it's sailing. Is, there's no one hard part about my job. But it's so many little minute things that can just stack on top of each other that if things start to go wrong, they can go incredibly wrong. The, Mer the American merchant fleet, a, a pretty good track record other than the, you know that time in the 90s when the little ship called Exxon Valdez had a little thing, which that captain was a, a, an alumni from my college. Um, but <laughs> it wasn't his fault. He wasn't on the bridge. He was off. It was a bunch of things. If you're ever really interested, I'll talk about it or you can go and read the actual reports. But like when you're the captain, uh, you're basically the fall guy. Like that mm -hmm. is like, I don't know if you ever watched how I met your money, how, how you met, how I met your mother, uh, but mm -hmm. Barney Stinson's job where he like his job. And if you'd ever seen it, I'm spoiling it for you. I apologize. But like his whole job was to sign documents for things that were uh, questionable at best that this company did. So he just got paid to be the fall guy. And uh, that's a lot of what the captain is. Like you don't do, a, you're, you're there for, to, to fill out some forms and to make some phone calls and make sure that the ship is running the way that it's supposed to. But to credit, if things went horrible, he was there and he knew what the, he knew what he was doing and he was a great person to have on the ship. So like right. they're there when you need them and you really don't want to see the captain unless you need them. Cause they're basically the CEO of the ship, right? We're like our own little company, you know, everybody's got their own specific job and stuff like that. So like, he's the boss. Yeah. I mean, sailing, I don't know, man. Like it, it's, it's a good job for me. You know what I mean? Cause like I, I'm super ADD, but like I can't be on that stuff and still be in the military, but like there's so much structure in my job at sea that like it's groundhog's day mm -hmm. and I, I just it's real easy for me to f fall in line and do what i need to do and like so much to when i come off the ship like i need like a few days to like decompress because i just mm -hmm. like i can't you know like I, there's only 20 other people normally on the ship with me so like as long as all those people can at least show up to their job on time like there's some guys where like literally all i need them to do is be present and like i'll do the rest you don't want it to be that way but i can i can i can deal with it smooth sailing easy peasy um and then once i go back to real life it's just like chaos
and uh it's yeah it's hard for me to like like my wife when I, when I first started working, I'd come off the ship for like, you know, 90 days or whatever. And she's like, cool, let's go to Costco. And I'd be in Costco just like, where are all these people? Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Luckily she's gotten better at that. This last time I got off, she was like, I booked a massage for you. And I'm like, Oh God. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've been married 10 years. I'm a pretty easy book to read she finally picked up the book so yeah good for her well better late than never tell me about your music i believe maybe a few months ago i saw you posted a track or an album recently did you not uh nothing super recent um my like my my genre uh, uh genre of choices are pretty they're all over the place. Um, I put out a, um, a pretty very heavy, aggressive album. Humorously enough, I called the band uh, Confined Space, which uh, if you work in the industrial uh, industrial jobs, you'll, you'll know that mm-hmm. confined spaces are, are fucking terrifying because you're just like, oh, I'm going to go into this room. And I'm like, oh, there's no oxygen in this room. I died um, with like no warning. You're just like, oh, no oxygen. <laughs> um right. yeah so confined space that was a terrifying and then like you know you're like oh i'm, I'm buried alive in a coffin I'm like there's a lot of alliteration to it uh i did that uh before covid so that was like the last full album that i put out uh and it was just me and a and a drummer from mississippi this guy jared that i've been playing music with since since i was in my 20s um like early 20s um and that was great. And then I think the year that we recorded that is the same year that I moved to Chattanooga. And uh, Chattanooga has been, it's been great. I love living there, uh, but it's hard to make friends, right? Because like, you'll come home from sailing and you'll be like, hey, what's up? Oh yeah, you're cool. Oh, hey, what's up? Oh, blah, 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 blah. They're like, cool, new people I just met. I'm leaving for three months. Bye. and then right. like they don't think about you so it's like i've tried to start some music up there um it's been pretty uh useless to say the least and i can still come back down here and jam with that dude jared whenever i want um which we'll probably do this weekend um that's the, one of the other reasons why i've kept my drilling status with the coast guard reserves down here uh is to go hang out with him but um yeah, I mean, I'm doing some like electronica music and stuff like that, that um, is easier for me to do on the ship. So like literally I have a travel guitar, like electric guitar that's like yay big. Um, and I bring that with me and I have an iPad and uh, a little keyboard. And like, I'll, that's one of the things that I do to waste time is like, I'll write music on the ship. Um, I haven't been doing it this last year just because I've been jumping ships. I, I worked on I worked on one ship when I first started in 2017. I was on that ship for four years. Uh, and then I got laid off for a year. And then when I came back, I've worked on six different ships in a year. Okay. Uh, so a lot of jumping around. So I've, I've been really Spartan in what I'm bringing on and off of ships. Um, but I do have that set up. Um, and, and I will hopefully uh, this time around when I go back to work, uh, I'm going to bring it. And because we'll actually... Uh, I will be starting to do the longest sea voyage that I've done as a professional mariner 
when I was in school, we have a training ship and I took that across the Atlantic to Europe. So that was like 21 days. Um, but when I go back to work, we'll be moving biodiesel uh, from Mobile, Alabama to Long Beach, California. So down okay. and through the Panama Canal and back up. So it'll be like a 14 day transit. A lot of that, you know, just right in the middle of nothing. So I'm, I'm hoping to go to the gym more because uh, I should, because I'm chunky, uh, <laughs> and uh, to work on music a lot more. Those are those are the goals for 2023. And um, I'm working, yeah, I, I, I'm putting together an album uh, of just me, um, for better or worse, because <laughs> I'm a terrible drummer, uh, but I got a drum set, uh, or an electronic drum set. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm doing, oh God, I'm terrible. Uh, but I'm, I'm playing music that's, that's sparse enough to where as long as I can count to four, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, cool. uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that will hopefully be coming out, um, sometime next year and I'll probably like put it on a cassette tape or something. Cause like, that's popular now. Like my last band put out cassette tapes and people bought them and I'm like, okay, sure. It's really cheap for me to make. And if that's what you want. Yeah. So I did a digital release and uh, and a cassette release because I'm I'm too cheap to do uh, a seven inch. Punk music is like really yeah we don't they don't do CDs anymore like you you can't you can't give CD well, I mean you give CDs away right nobody really cares about that as a uh, as a music form tapes cassettes that was a new one for me um, and they're like oh yeah you're gonna put out a cassette and I'm like sure <laughs> it was like yeah. three hundred bucks to like press 50 of them and i'm like mm-hmm. all right and i don't luckily i'm a position in life where music is a hobby and i know that it will only ever be a hobby i have no delusions of grandeur of you know i'm 38 years old like i, I ain't gonna i ain't gonna hit you know maybe i'll write a song that people like and it'll do something but i doubt it so it's just a hobby and it's a hobby that i am comfortable with losing money at now you know like now when me and my friends are talking about going on tour we're like ah oh, we should uh we should play atlanta and uh, we should play orlando and we should play virginia and like the reason why we're thinking about those places is because of like six flags in atlanta <laughs> universal studios in orlando and like Bush yeah. you know like we're trying to make it a vacation at this point <laughs> Like right. we'll just play one day and then we'll like we'll go ride roller coasters and be sick just me and the boys so that's kind of where my headspace is at now and uh and a lot of that i mean you know like with my job because i have to give up half of my life to make my money which everybody does right you're always trading time for money but like when you do it in a, in an isolated manner where I'm just like completely not connected to my wife, which, you know, and my mom and like my, my family, it's, you become that much more cognizant of like how you spend your off time. Um, right. You know, and like doing things that like are actually important because it's like, Oh, well I could like, yeah, I could go and play in this band or do all that shit. And that's cool. And it's fun, but my wife is also cool and she is also fun and I should probably hang out with her because I haven't seen her in 90 days. Um, Though with that being said, that is kind of the one cool thing about her job being something that makes her go away as well. Because like when I'm off, she's at least gone for like two weeks 
of that time that I'm gone because she's, she's going to work. So that's usually when I like completely just bachelor the fuck out. And I'm just like, I'm going to eat pizza every day. I ain't going to you know, sit in my boxers and watch Netflix. Just, uh, there's nothing she can do because I clean up everything before she comes home. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll fit in like going to karaoke and do stupid shit um, while she's at work. Okay. Well, I think we have more than enough to make an episode of this thing too much i'm sorry i babble <laughs> no no it's fine if i have to cut anything it certainly helps um what uh is the the ranking system different in the reserves or what rank are you uh i'm an e5 like i make the same as guys in the national guard i make the same guys in the you know any other reserve component they make more because then they get like combat pay and like you know when they're in war zones they don't pay taxes and all that stuff but like I lived in a hotel for three years. You know what I mean? Like I got like Pensacola sand in my boots, not like yeah. Djibouti or Fallujah sand in my boots. And I don't have to worry about like people trying to murder me or, or blow me up or, you know, like God bless those guys. I mean, like in, in, in some capacity, you know, all of that stuff is necessary, but like that shit ain't for me. Um, and the Coast Guard has been a healthy way for me to like contribute back to america and you know my my countrymen and all that stuff um which is important but really it's just i wanted the like two dollars off of my uh, movies ticket from amc (laughs) and like the first thing from buffalo wild wings on veterans day but no uh (laughs) no it's been great literally the coast guard changed my life um that's a tangent you just asked me what rank i am e5 uh mst2 um yeah what is mst baseline things are the same uh the words may be different like when you get to officers like none of that matches up with any other branch except for uh the navy but yeah what is mst2 uh marine science technician second class okay so i'm a petty officer second class hopefully first class here by the end of next year that's my goal all right anything else you want to cover um, I mean, thanks for having me. This is my first podcast. I'm trying to figure it out myself. This will be, I think, the third episode of this this one podcast, but I've got six of another. There you go. That's so, the uh, the river worker ones mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, this will this will actually appear on that one. Most okay. Probably. I think I've got plenty enough to put something together. Yeah, I. You know, I mean, I I, I love me. I'm my favorite topic. So. <laughs> i know a lot about this particular topic so i just found that out (laughs) that i know a lot about my own life yep sure did Uh, thank you for your thank you for your time man have a good weekend hey you as well bud we'll be in touch bye